So uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Soul Waves uh, podcast and my guest today is Stephanie James. Hi Stephanie. Hi Tom, so good to see you. And it's so good to hear you because most people are listening to this of course. Oh that's right, it's so good to hear you as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So listen, I've been reading your book all about sparks and literally, you won't believe this, well you will believe this actually, about a minute before we started our call a spark came in and I went, what is the etymology of the word spark? So I went into an online etymological dictionary and it kind of gives context to what we're going to talk about. You're going to love this. It comes from the old English spearker and it's a glowing or fiery particle thrown off. How cool is that? I love that. I love that. Yes, it's so perfect because in in my when I really truly think of that spark, mm-hmm. it's that spark within us. Mm-hmm. It's that ignited particle of whether we call it the God spark or it's the essence of us. And it's that ignited part that like nothing can blow out or wet, you know, water can't wet it, fire can't burn it out. And it's that essential piece of us. And so when we allow the spark that is us to ignite, then we create all these other sparks within our world and our experience. Oh, that's that beautiful. Like the cascade of sparks. Yeah. That idea that a spark triggers another spark and another spark and another spark. Can you, well, I don't want to, I want people to read the book, so I don't want to go too much into the book, but mm-hmm. I noticed in chapter 10 that your mother provided a spark for you. Absolutely. You know, and it's it, when what's interesting is we have to even go back one more generation because it was her mother mm-hmm. that truly was the original spark, if you will, of this family of women where I, my grandmother did not know a stranger. This mm-hmm. is a woman who would meet you on the street. And if she found out it was your birthday, she would say, oh, I'm going to go bake you a cake. I, I'm going to go bake a cake and decorate it for you. <laughs> and we we always laugh. She was she was a farm woman. Uh, she and my grandfather had a sugar beet farm and a dairy farm. And what she did to retire is she became an Avon lady. And we always laughed because she never made any money doing that job. Because anytime she'd go to visit someone, she'd bake them a bunt cake, and she'd spend more money on the ingredients bringing this bunt cake than they ever spent on, you know, on the Avon product. So I, I come from this family of people that also they have the spark within them and are igniting it with other people. My mother was the same way. So my mother never knew a stranger, um, just, you know, and, and I watched her as a child and I watched her for 33 years as a businesswoman, the way that she would relate to other people. She had her own florist shop. And so it was just really a beautiful experience to, to see these strong, wonderful women who also, I watched them as they ignited other people, as they made other people, you know, have that feeling of being noticed or important, or, you know, the, one of my fondest memories of my mother is we were taking a train out to Anaheim. My daughter at the time, who's 32 was four years old and we can't find my mother. And eventually we go and we find her. She's in the sightseeing car talking to this complete stranger 
this gentleman who was back from the Navy and who had AIDS and was sharing his life story with my mom. And that was pretty typical for what would, what would happen. And so I, I think that, you know, those examples of women really became then a huge thing and just a natural thing within me that I've just been what I, what I call a connector. So you've been sparking since kind of day one then. Definitely. Definitely. And then that's interesting because it's, it's chapter three. You talk about the power of connection, don't you? That the, these, these sparks aren't just individual events. They trigger the other events, but also in the same way that we've been introduced uh, by the lovely uh, Sarah Sagalat, you know, we sort of, we didn't know each other, but uh, she created a spark that's joined us together. And then that will spring off another spark. And then people in my tribe will hear about you and all this sort of stuff. And they'll go in different directions. Is that kind of the essence of the spark that it's not just a solo event, it's a trigger event? Absolutely. You know, and I, I would say one of the overall principles that, that I really love about that is as we do that work of excavating our own spark. So mm-hmm. let's say like with everything that people have gone through lately, what happens oftentimes is we feel like things have been covered up, that life circumstances or what, you know, whatever it is that we've been going through kind of dims that shine. Mm-hmm. And so as we do our own healing work and we start excavating that spark, then that is truly what I say is the biggest gift that we can give to humanity is our own healing. Because then it is like those, it's like the pebble in the pond and those concentric rings of healing go out from us. Or we could say, you know, our own internal spark as we allow it to shine starts igniting other sparks as well. So we're really, by doing that own inner work, bringing that healing and that spark to the world for others that helps to ignite theirs. So what, what advice would you give to somebody whose spark's being dampened for whatever reason? You know, there can be many, many reasons it could have happened. At the, if you imagine if you've got a, a barbecue and you bring it out in spring and it's been sitting out there in winter and you try and press that piezoelectric thing and it doesn't work and you have to get the matches out to make it, then you find the matches are a bit damp. I mean, people can be like that too, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question and something that I think, you know, as a transformational life coach and psychotherapist, I deal with with my clients all the time right now. And one of the things that I really invite people to do is number one, to become priority in their own lives. I think oftentimes we we do get so involved in what's going on outside of us or we start thinking that the key to happiness lies outside of us or that we're, we're so busy taking care of everyone else that we oftentimes neglect ourselves. So one of the ways that we can reignite the sparks within us is exactly that. It's spending time making yourself a priority. And some people go, oh my gosh, that sounds so selfish. It doesn't mean at the neglect of anyone else. What it means is that I'm going to make myself priority in my own life. And I'm going to start by every morning developing some kind of morning ritual where what I'm doing for me, it's, you know, I'm priming my heart, mind, body, and soul. And I tell people just start with 30 minutes. Maybe you do 10 minutes of exercise, 10 minutes of meditation, and then 10 minutes of journaling where you're writing down everything you can think of that you're grateful for. And then putting your hand on your heart and marinating on that for a little bit, really letting it sink in. So it's not just the words, it's the feeling. 
And just doing that simple act over and over again, it's amazing what it starts creating for us, that we actually have truly more to give. And we're not just existing on fumes. We have this reservoir within us where we've taken care of ourselves. And it's like, we've told ourselves, it's like telling ourselves, I've got your back. I'm here for you. And it's really building a relationship with ourselves where what we're learning how to do is befriend ourselves instead of just saying, oh, I'm just going to love myself. That's what I've heard. You know, people say, love yourself, be your own best friend. Well, I know from over 30 years in the personal development and personal growth industry that it's not that easy. So it takes that dedicated effort. It takes that doing that, showing up for ourselves day after day after day. And as we do that, then we really start building a relationship with ourselves. And I wish I had my calendar here to show you because on my calendar, the mornings that I do that, I'll put a heart on the day at the end of the day. And so instead of like checking the day off, it's like, no, I showed up and I loved myself today. And there is nothing like holding up a calendar and seeing it all full of hearts. So that's how I would invite people to start stepping into, you know, excavating their own sparks again and reigniting those after what we've all been going through. You know, that's one of the ways we can find that within us. Wow. And what a lovely evocative concept, the, the concept of marinating your your heart. And and starting there and, and actually do you find then when when you do that, all the stuff that your head normally gets involved with, that kind of dissipates slightly and you can follow a slightly different thread. Yes. You know, I, I think that what's really important is and and as you know, I'm I imagine Tom, it's like what we focus on expands. It's that principle in physics. So we have to really be intentional about what we want to focus on. And by doing that, by focusing on something like this, that would be very positive in the morning, what we're doing is we're training our brain to notice more of that. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and doing the, the simple things that, that I suggested in the morning, I think that is something that does also start to train our brain to see those things and focus on feeling good. You know, 10 minutes of yoga is amazing. 10 minutes of meditation. It can be very, very simple. I I invite people to do a simple sitting meditation where you literally sit on the floor with your back against the couch or your back against the wall. And you're just feeling into your rear end where your rear end makes contact with the floor and you're grounding yourself in that. And so maybe you do that for five minutes and then the last five minutes, you set an alarm and you lie in Shavasana, which is a yoga pose where you're lying totally flat on your back with your palms up and you just let whatever came up assimilate. You can go longer. My, my favorite time is about 20 minutes with that, where I do 10 and 10. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's essential, Tom. And then I think the other piece that I would really invite people to check out, I always talk about having bookends to your day. And so that what we just spoke of being the first bookend and then the bookend at the end of the day being a practice where it can be very simplistic for me for a long, long time. What I would do is I would use a stationary object. So this could be for me, it was a rock. It could be a shell. It could be something meaningful to you. And you hold it in your hand for muscle memory. And then you can also put it on your nightstand. So that reminds you to do this every night. And what you do is when you hold that object, 
you think, what is the best thing that happened today? Or you could even be, what is the most meaningful thing that happened today? And these don't have to be big things. You know, I know sometimes the most meaningful part of my day was walking out on the back porch with my dog in the morning and listening to the birds. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be something huge, but as we hold that intention, something, something important happens. There's two things that are really important. One is the fact that when we hold things up in our mind, our mind experiences them as happening now. We start having a physiological response to it. So that's when we worry about something in the future. It's not happening now, but we experience it as if it is. We get the adrenaline and the cortisol as we're feeling anxious or worried. Same is true for if we're ruminating about something in the past. It's not happening now, but we get the angst or the regret so the, the beautiful thing about this, though, is we can have the present moment be the point of power, and we can hold up what we want to think about and get a really wonderful, positive result. So we hold up this thing we want to think about. Again, bring all your senses into it, marinate on that. And the other positive thing is that we have a, a brain that has a natural negativity bias. So it's always looking for things that are a threat for us. When we guide it to focus on something positive, it's, it is telling our brain, wow, this is important. I experienced this and now she's bringing it or he's bringing it up again. Because our brain really, it holds on to things like Velcro that are negative for us so that we don't do them again. Like you, if you burn your hand on the stove, you don't have to do that two times. You know, okay, our brain has filed that away one time's enough. Well, positive things are like fried eggs on a Teflon pan and they slide right off. So in order to give it a little stickability, we want to bring this back up, hold it in our awareness, because then whatever we do the last five or 10 minutes before bed, what we're thinking about, we literally are going to be marinating on the next seven, eight, nine hours as we're sleeping in our subconscious mind. So these are two just simplistic, but beautiful ways of getting ourselves to focus on things that actually serve us and make us feel good instead of things that aren't serving us like the news. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people, please don't watch the news first thing in the morning, last thing at night. You can catch up in the middle of the day. But focusing on things that really help feed us and further ignite those sparks within us. Wow. So the sparks, are they within us? Or do they come from outside of us? And are we the channel for those sparks? Or is it a bit of both? It's both. I, I love that question because in, in my own experience, it's really both. Because it's like we have that spark within us. And then I think that as we are doing this kind of work that you and I are talking about, allowing ourselves to heal, then we're allowing whatever those sparks are. For me, it's really, it's, it feels like this divine experience. Some people call it collective consciousness or the universe, their higher power. But I feel like when I'm open and the clearer the conduit, then, oh my gosh, I, I, I call it, I get these downloads that are amazing, that have sparked books for me, that have sparked a film that I created, a, a, an event that I created. It, it's We can be open to the spark of creativity and joy and connection. I mean, there's so many things. And as you know, just like you and I having this conversation when we're with each other. Wow. We, we never know, you know, the spark that we can ignite within one another. 
Yeah, and I've never done this inside a podcast, but I think I should do this is because um, uh, when I when I first started podcasting, that must be ten years ago. I think I might have scripted the podcast, but I noticed when you when you try and run a scripted podcast, you stop listening to the person that's a- answering the 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 question or the first question, and you don't pick up on it. You're thinking about the next question, and I've, I found that as long as you get the opening thing, and I didn't even know the opening of this podcast till till two minutes before we started, which was to look up the etymology of the spark, which was a spark in its own right. Uh, I want to come back to the film. I want to come back to the group that you do. But I want to come back to something else which I noticed in the book and also something else that you said that I was listening to. So even though we've not spoken before, I reckon that you like a bit of yoga. I reckon you like to meditate. I'm picking these things up because I was listening. And also I noticed in the book that uh, you mentioned the breath. So once we've got a spark, which is then igniting that kindling, how does breath work then as the, as the fuel to make that spark really, really glow and, and, and burn brightly? Yes. Great, great question. You know, one of the things about the breath is it really, it's, it's our guide inward. And as you're saying, it, it really does become kindling to help ignite that. Oftentimes we don't even realize it. When we're stressed and we're in our day, just busy, 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 what happens is we're only breathing through the top part of our lungs. You know, it's the shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is when we're only doing that shallow breathing, we're actually signaling the fight or flight response in our brain. If that's where we're breathing all day. Okay. And so when we start taking those deeper diaphragmic breaths, we're signaling to the brain, like everything's okay. I'm relaxed. Things are fine. And so one of the ways that we can, And it is, we can do it through yoga. We can do it through meditation. I always invite people to start their mornings as well with a breath practice. Tony Robbins has a great priming. It's a priming exercise with breath. And it literally is these 40 breaths that you're just inhaling like, (sighs) 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 and what happens as you do 40 of those you just feel the energy in your body just building and building and building. So that's, that's one way to prime yourself in the morning to get your blood oxygenated. Um, and I know that through breath control, when we can do those deeper diaphragmic breaths, there's also a beautiful simplistic format called four, seven, eight breathing, which is you breathe in to the count of four, you hold for seven. And then you breathe out to the count of eight and you do that three times. Notice how you feel three more times. Notice how you feel. You can continue to do it, but you check how you feel in between. What it does is it slows down that rapid breath. And so if we just set an alarm random times during the day, just to remind us to stop whatever we're doing, it brings us to the present moment, which I think is one of, one of the keys in igniting these sparks is allowing ourselves to not be in our heads, to not be thinking about this to do or that to do, not ruminating. We're right here in the present moment. And as we feel that breath going through us and we're focused on experiencing it, it's amazing what starts to happen. That's what becomes that way that we become more of a clearer conduit. It's like we're clearing things out. We're clearing out thoughts. We're clearing out to-do lists, and then we can just be present to that breath within us. 
And it's really powerful. So do sparks appear for different people in different formats? We've been talking quite metaphorically in the idea of marinating, kindling, and this sort of stuff. Do sparks appear in different forms? For example, uh, as you were talking just then, I saw a dog walk past you in the background there. So just tell me what, what is that? It's not a Labradoodle dog, is it, by any chance? No, it's a standard poodle. Standard my, poodle. my dog, Jules. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've got a couple of Labradoodles as well. And, and, and you see, that, so just, that's a visual spark to me. Obviously, we're having this as most people listening to an audio, but I saw this visual spark. And it took my brain to a different direction. It took me to um, a session of meditation I ran yesterday when my dogs were barking in the background, just when I was talking about the, uh, the idea that we always speak on an outbreath. And we, you know, if you try and speak on an in-breath, you can't do it. And at that very time, this spark came in. Of course, dogs bark on an out-breath as well. They're the same as us. They don't bark on an in-breath. Right. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And I love the right. idea that I love the idea that the, the the thing that takes our minds in a completely different direction with a quiet mind can come in all these different forms. That was a visual cue, but you might get a smell or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. As, as you were saying that it, it sparks something within me um, that I, I talk to clients about sometimes when some people have a difficult time receiving compliments. Mm-hmm. I always have people start to notice, to become aware of what happens when someone says something nice to you or says a compliment and 10 out of 10 times they're holding their breath. They're not receiving it. So someone says something nice and they're like, thank you. They say, thank you. Like you're saying the exhale, thank you. And then they kind of hold their breath. Uh-huh. So it's the practice. It's, it's such a beautiful practice to invite people when someone says something nice to you, instead of trying to say something right away, like, oh, this old thing, or, oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm not that great. Or you're trying to deflect it. Try breathing it in. So uh-huh. don't even say thank you for a moment that you literally, if someone says, Tom, it's just been so amazing to be with you. You're just such a wonderful person. Instead of saying thank you to just breathe it in and then say, oh, thank you. You might touch your heart. You know, we might, again, that, that's that little marinating piece. We might be like, wow, I'm letting that land. And I just did that and it created a lovely silence internally to, to really allow it to land. Because obviously in these podcasts, you very rarely get silence, don't you? Because people are worried that they're into it internet connection is gone and that kind of thing oh wonderful what a lovely thing i'm, I'm going to uh, take that with me that's a fantastic uh, uh fantastic concept so i'm gonna before we talk about um a couple of other things like, there's a few things in the book that i was really surprised about that i really didn't expect to be in there and this was a whole chapter about um grief and healing yeah. through grief and i want how does that belong in a book about sparks? You know, I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. That it's got a kind of negative connotation to be in there, but it seems to me that uh, these are kind of real things that people are going through, especially nowadays. There's lots of loss going on in the world, and uh, you know, we've had loss of freedom, lots of people had loss of life. Now we're recording this in in the time of COVID, just in case you listen to this in ten years' time. Grief and sparks, how do they work together? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because. I think so many times when when people are looking at personal growth or they're looking at you know spiritual growth, inner growth, there's some kind of myth that it's all supposed to be just this happy go lucky you know 
I'm going to be in a state of bliss 24 seven. And only then do I know I've arrived or, you know, then I'm, I'm really, I've transformed myself or then I know that I've somehow evolved and that's a false narrative. And I don't want people believing that because we are, you know, we are on this earth having this very human experience. And so if we're, if we're continuing to do what I've been talking about, which is clearing out the way within us, you know, as I said, to become a conduit for more sparks within us to shine out and more sparks around us to shine in some of that healing work is around acknowledging the pain. We know that what we resist persists. And so if I'm feeling anxious or I'm sad, if I'm in deep grief, if I push that down and I'm telling myself, I'm not going to feel that, I'm not going to feel that, what we're actually creating is an intensified reaction and an, intensi- and an intensified feeling of those feelings. So I think what, what is very different and why this absolutely, you know, this chapter belongs in this book is because it's about embracing those parts of ourself. And the importance of, you know, when, when we are feeling those to be with it, to be with the sorrow or the jealousy or the grief, whatever is coming up in that moment and realizing that it's all just energy. Our emotions are energy. We give it more energy when we start telling a story about it, but it's really powerful if you can notice how you feel and just feel into whatever that part of your body is. So if your chest is tight or your throat is tight. Instead of telling yourself a story about it, to just notice the feeling and that breath work we were talking about, you can breathe into that part of you. And it's very interesting as you start to breathe with what's there, it actually does start to dissipate. So it's not about always being happy. It's not that everything's always going to be great. It's about embracing whatever shows up. And I want to share with you really quickly a poem that's in the book. And it exemplifies this experience of being human. And it's called The Guest House. And it's a poem by Rumi. And if you don't know Rumi, those people that don't know Rumi, he's a 13th century Sufi poet. Hmm. And this book has always, or this poem has just resonated with me through the years. And so it says this, the poem is called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Wow. So the, the grief or even and, and going towards the grief and going towards that, um, that emotion that needs to be addressed, uh, uh, that's a guest, but it's also uh, potentially the trigger of a, a spark. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, in my own life experience, some of the most painful things that I've gone through 
truly ignited something phenomenal in my life. And, you know, I will share with you really briefly, Tom, I went through 10 years of struggling with my daughter's um, drug addiction and alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And this was a straight A kiddo, an, an amazing artist and musician, an amazing soccer player, just a beautiful girl who got caught up when she went to college with a boyfriend that was already doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And so this was such a huge struggle. And at the very end, um, when things had really gotten bad and I had sent her to three months of treatment, I was taking care of her three and four-year-old sons at the time, my grandsons. And it literally ended up being the end of my marriage. Um, some really ugly things came out during that time and things that weren't being very tolerant or, or whatever the circumstances were that were, things just were falling apart. And this one night, you know, I'd worked all day at my private practice. I would come home and, you know, every morning I, I went from being this woman that didn't have, all my kids were grown. So I was kind of jet setting around and, and really enjoying this, this different lifestyle. And all of a sudden I'm waking up early in the morning, getting two little boys ready and working all day, coming home exhausted, picking up the boys, getting them fed, you know, getting them their baths and ready for bed. And I know mothers do this all the time, but I've already done this <laughs> and I was, I was exhausted. And there was one night where I was literally putting them to bed and I'm falling asleep in between them, rubbing their backs. And I go into my bedroom once they're asleep. And I was, I was just beyond myself. I was in absolute angst. You know, my, my marriage is falling apart. My daughter's in rehab. You know, I just, I just felt overwhelmed. And it was so interesting because at that moment, I literally, it was one of those times where we say, I hit my knees and I literally did. I was on my knees and just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I didn't want this life. I didn't ask for this. You know, all the anger, all the different things came up. And all of a sudden it was like this still clear voice was just like, just surrender. Just surrender. You don't have to do this. You don't have to keep trying to push your will and, you know, make everything okay and figure out every, every grand plan here. Just surrender. And it was so powerful when I just quit with my ego and my will trying to handle everything. And I remember waking up that night about three o'clock in the morning and just with the first sense of peace that I'd had for years, really a deep, profound sense of peace. And what was so interesting is shortly after that was when I had my now producer walk into my office and say, Hey, have you ever thought about doing your own radio show? And then I began writing my book and the spark for the book came through and, you know, then the spark for creating the event and the film that I produced. I mean, also everything opened up. And so the last three and a half now, almost four years of my life have been truly phenomenal as a result of one of the hardest times in my life. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you for burying your soul. So Honestly, so uh, as you you brought it up, you actually you, you preempted me because I was about to say I'm not sure how long ago was that, but was that the spark we are in the book uh, that then led to the the group in the film? So let's talk yes. about the yeah. let's talk about the film first because that's very exciting. Yes, so and th and this was I mean it's talk about the sparks of serendipity were just phenomenal with all of this, and it was literally after a meditation I had gotten this download 
Like I know some of the most brilliant minds and serving hearts on the planet. I mean, like you, I meet these incredible people on my podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if I created an event where instead of just coming and presenting where people come and present for like 45 minutes and then they walk off the stage, that actually all the presenters came together and we had our own event a couple of days ahead of time where we were learning and growing and doing things with each other. And then we brought that to the live audience. And so what was amazing is every person that was invited absolutely jumped on it. You know, they felt moved and inspired, you know, Larry Dossie and his wife, Barbara, um, George and Sedina Capanelli, who are Emmy award-winning television and film producers, uh, Jacob Lieberman, Misa Hopkins, uh, Steve Behrman, who wrote a book with Bruce Lipton, Spontaneous Evolution, he and his wife, and Solomon and Gabriella Masala, and Stephanie Schwartz, who is an amazing scientist who's one of who's who in the world. So all of these people came together without charge. These are people that make tens of thousands of dollars to speak. We all came together, and thank God, um, George and Sedina connected me to their award-winning film crew, And so we had this beautiful film crew and we started by the first day by doing interviews where these people were sharing some of the most painful, difficult parts of their lives. So instead of just seeing these people that we read their books that, you know, they're national bestsellers and they're international speakers, we look at them and go, wow, their lives must be great. But no, all these people have gone through pain like each one of us. And so they, they shared those pain points. And then the, the second day, we had this beautiful event. We called it Lights of the Round Table, where the 12 of us sat around a round table and just talked about and talk about sparks. I mean, we were just sparking each other in conversation. Nothing was scripted at all. So people get this inside view. They get to inside listen to how that works. These people just sharing about what's truly important, what, you know, talking about love and life and you know, again, you know, points that were difficult that we worked through and how we did that. And so, and, and during that two days, we meditated together, we danced together, we ate meals and had live music and just had this beautiful time. And this alchemy was created between us that lasts still to this day, which is so beautiful. We're all still really close and in contact. And that beautiful energy then was brought to this live audience on the third day and to watch what, what happened and, and what came through for people. It was absolutely phenomenal. And so the movie it's, it's that, and it also follows a single client of mine who was in an abusive relationship for 40 years, over 40 years. And when she came in to see me, could barely hold her head up. You know, she'd cry the entire session for twice a week for three months So you see the progression in her as her sparks. She started listening to the podcast and taking notes and doing all the exercises that any of the thought leaders would recommend. And to watch her progress through a year was just a phenomenal gift. She went from being someone so sick and had so many difficulties. And when I say sick, I mean, health-wise, a lot of ailments to a woman who is thriving and happy and in a positive relationship and is giving back. She created a blog that's for women that then helps them to leave abusive relationships and find their voice. So 
it's it's the movie is has been just an amazing heart project that has truly um taken on a beautiful life of its own and uh i'm so thrilled my co-producer doug beachwood and i uh just finished as i said post-production so we're getting ready to to bring it to the world well you, you you've ignited three sparks in my brain just then so the, oh, in my heart i should say first is the that sounds like it's got to be on netflix or amazon prime before too long so that'd be good to see and it, it's, it's a message that needs to get shared with the world the other spark is i'd love could you share that lady's name with us so we can track her down in a blog yeah debbie hey uh i think she's going by debbie hayes yeah. Um, I think the blog is Kaleidoscope Strong. Wow. Well, we'll dig that. I'll make sure that's in the in the show notes. Yes. I'm also going to post, uh, and underneath we'll post this on the uh, on my blog stroke podcast. We'll post the, the video trailer, won't we, for the, the film. Wonderful. Now, now, the third thing, which, correct me if you said this or not, you said there were 12 of you around a round table. Did yes. you say that? Now this is weird, right? This is weird because we don't know each other from uh, from Adam. We 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 knew each other a few months ago. We managed to get the wrong uh, time zone and what have you. We managed to get our our twelve hour clocks out of sync, which is interesting. And I've been writing about the Council of Twelve recently in a fictional sense, and the number twelve keeps coming up and up and up for me all the time, which is kind of interesting. So I feel like we should take this one offline, but I know that people that are into the Soulways podcast will know what I mean. The number 12 is resonating a lot. It comes up a lot through uh, history and prehistory, as you all know. And uh, so it's just interesting that 12 wise souls came around a round table at that particular time. Does that trigger any sparks in you? Well, when you say that, you know, I've, I've had people say, say to me, I, and I don't know, Tom, why 12 is what I chose. I knew that that was the right number. So intuitively, and then people said, you know, 12 disciples, you know, they brought up all these different things. And that on the third day, you know, all these sparks were ignited. I mean, there were all these interesting, you know, number things that were coming through. Now, what's weird about this, right, is that back-to-back podcasts, it, I guess, introduced to me by... Um, by by um, by Sarah Scarlett, right? The last guest was Suzanne Ross, and she's been writing about the number twelve as well. You guys were supposed to be separated by a number of months, but time brought us right together, so you're co-joined. So you might not know about her, and she might not know about you, but you need to know about each other through the conduit, which is uh, Sarah Scarlett, because the number twelve's coming up a lot for us at the moment, which is interesting. So, so anyway, back back to all sparky things, because I'm yes, sure that's going to yes. trigger lots of sparks in people that are, uh, are are listening. And feel free to get in touch with both of us about all of that. Um, yes, uh, chapter nine which uh, I, I think ought to be um, chapter 12 in a way, because you, you've written an you've 11 chapter book. Where's that 12th chapter? But maybe the 12th chapter is the, is the film. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. And yeah. yeah, I'm in the process right now of, of writing a new book. So it's, can... the, the 12th chapter is definitely within that. Exactly. But you say in chapter nine, the future's bright. So how's, how's your bright future looking now? I've been through that, that dark night of the soul that you went through to this point. Yeah. Now. What's, the, what's the future look like for, for you, Stephanie? Well, you know, it's what's amazing is that it continues. I mean, ever since that surrender point that I talked about, I tell everyone, you know, life begins at 50. That's mm-hmm. when my life really ignited. 
And so right now, and it's interesting, actually, Suzanne Ross, I am, uh, I'm leaving on Friday to go to, I, she asked me to present at the Sedona Ascension retreat. So I'm a presenter there. You don't really know so, each other. so that connection has already been made. So was that so what's pre, happening? pre Sarah or after Sarah? It was, it was uh, post Sarah actually. Post Sarah. Yeah. Suzanne interviewed me. And at the end of the interview, she said, I know that this doesn't give you a lot of time. It's maybe six weeks, but I just really feel moved to have you if, if you'd be willing to come and be a presenter. And I was like, I would, I knew it was an instant. Yes. I just felt it. So what's happening for me right now is a lot of speaking opportunities, a lot of interviews, promoting the film, writing my second book, which is so exciting and really one of the wonderful things for me right now is my wonderful partner who I've been with for a year who lived in Seattle. He just moved here a couple weeks ago. And he's also, um, he's a chiropractor by trade, but also a high performance coach and professional speaker. And so we have so many things we're creating together that we want to bring to the world. So lots of collaboration. I'm going to be working with uh, Sedina Capanelli on an ageless living program that's coming out. And so I think it's, it sparks just continue <laughs> to just ignite. It's, it seems like it's just blossoming and blooming doing this, uh, this group that, that I have now, which is also available to any of your listeners, which is this online platform. It's the second and fourth Wednesday nights. I don't know what time it would be with you guys. I guess we'd have to think about in the UK, um, time-wise, but it is the Ignite Your Best Life group and it's through Zoom and it, it follows the book and people can come in at any time, but that's been a joy. I'm part of this wonderful mastermind powerhouse women's group. So all of it has to do with creating content and positive things that through us, we can bring to the world because each one of us, what, what we're bringing matters. And that's why I, I guess I always go back, Tom, to that thing you know, your healing matters. Each one of our healing matters because that's how we're going to start transforming and healing the planet. Wow. And does it all come coming full circle? It all comes back to how you start your day. That little, that initial spark when you come out of the, the dreamy, the hypnopompic state it's called, isn't it? How you come out of that state into awakening. awakening. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the beautiful thing to wake up and go, wow, I've been given the gift of another day. Wow. What can I, what can I ignite? What can I create in this day? Wow. Well, thank you for giving us the gift of your wisdom. And it's been a joy and a pleasure. Where can people uh, find you? How can they uh, track you down? Yeah. So they can find me at stephaniejames.world. And it's Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. James is J-A-M-E-S dot world. And my film, the there's a film trailer there as well. You can sign up for my group. You can get the book. The book's also available on Amazon. But from that website, um, you can see my events that are coming up. And yes, please. And, and I have a free gift there for listeners. So they can come and get Ignite the Sparks Within uh, guided visualization. So I just invite everyone to just check that out and let's create something together. Wow. 
And when you come on and talk about book two, what's the title of book two, by the way? Have you got a title? I do, but I can't share it yet. Okay, fair enough. We'll just call it uh, Spark Two, shall we? <laughs> It's like Jaws and Jaws too. <laughs> right. I love that. That's brilliant. Well, it's been, I said, a real joy and a pleasure to connect with you. I hope we can speak again very soon. I do too. Thank you, Tom. You've been listening to the Soul Waves podcast. You can find other episodes on my website, www.tomevans.co, on my Soundwise app, and also syndicated to many popular podcast outlets. Thanks for listening. Breathe in and breathe down, stay safe and come back soon.